Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And you can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on TikTok at hold up podcast. And you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash hold up. This week we watched The Object of My Affection, which came out in 1998, which I had to look up because I thought all of these people look so young. Also, because at one point they talked about making four figures, like that's something to live off of in New York. <laughs> also, not a cell phone to be found. Everyone not just making landline calls. Ev- there are so many landline calls. You know what this movie is? It's hanging up starring Lisa Goodman, <laughs> where yes. everyone's on a landline. Um, yeah. It did come out in 1988. You're correct. It has holds a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is a little low. Uh, it was directed by Nicholas Hinter and written by Wendy Wasserstein, who is a New York oh. playwright. Uh, well, she's not anymore. Now she's dead. But she was a New York playwright. Okay. That's interesting because this has a very play feel to it. I could yes. see this being a play. Um, and I feel like there's the- a lot of like insider baseball theater critic-y stuff happening. Carrie, what's the plot of Object of My Affection? Okay, so Object of Affection stars Jennifer Aniston, Paul Rudd, Allison Janney, Alan Alda, um, John Pacow, who is a character actor that I've seen in a million one things. But if you'd asked me to tell you his name before I looked it up this morning, never in a million years would I have gotten Mad there. About You. Right, but did you know his name? No, he's that guy from Mad About You that isn't right. Paul Reiser. I'm not, I don't know his name now. I know you just said um, it. Who else? I feel like I'm forgetting people. Uh, Tim Daly. That was who you were forgetting. Is he related to Tyne Daly? (laughs) Yes, he's her younger brother. Um, Interesting. Tyne and Tim. That's... We get some wild, like, people as children. A Hayden Panettiere, like, blinking your miss her. The kid from Stepmom. The little boy from Stepmom. That's who that was. I was like, he... Um, he, To me, he is the child version of uh the son from the birdcage but he can't be he's too little yeah no um Um, and and then uh sarah highland sarah highland yeah just adorable okay so the premise is that jennifer aniston is a 20 something i assume at this point um living in new york she's a social worker she's dating a legal aid attorney she has a rich stepsister played by allison janney who's married to a famous literary agent played by alan alda it's like Um, the press secretary in the future not president who's alan alda in the west wing am i getting confused with someone he ran for president yes he lost to jimmy smith's um continue she ends up um, meeting Paul Rudd at like a dinner party thrown by her sister. They end up becoming friends. He moves in with her when he breaks up with his boyfriend, Tim Daly. Um, and she ends up pregnant by her boyfriend, John Pankow, whose name you don't need to know. He's that guy from Mad About You who's not Paul Reiser. Um, their relationship is iffy. Like there's just not a lot of it there i guess um he has some she issues doesn't we'll get seem into to like him right um i do think the basis of a relationship should be do you like that person <laughs> which she says to one of her 
um, clients, but then like doesn't really live out herself, at least as so far as she's dating Vince. Vince is the name of the boyfriend slash father of her child. Anyway, she and Paul Rudd end up deciding that they're going to raise the baby together They because they, li- they live together. They're going to continue living together, raise the baby together. She falls in love with him. He's Where? Gay. The apartment doesn't even have a living room. It's tough. It is. Um, He is gay, so she falls in love with him and it can't go anywhere. And ultimately, it's just it's about their friendship and their love and how they navigate some complicated, messy feelings. Um, It's also very much about like found family and chosen family and creating families out of various communities. Um, I guess we'd call it a rom-com. It's right on the line, I feel like. It is. They just don't end up together. It is absolutely a rom-com. The central question of the movie is, will these two people end up together? The reason you are wondering about it is because the answer is, obviously, spoiler alert, no. But Will and Grace was pitched, I mean, this is pre or right around the Will and Grace time, was pitched as a romantic comedy without them ending up together. Okay, fair enough. Same with my my best friend's wedding is a famous romantic comedy where they do not end up together. Like you're right. Our idea. And also this is my Ted talk. This movie starts with boy meets girl, boy meets girl. Will these two people end up together? They move in together. They start a relationship together. They start to have a child together. The question the entire time is what's the end of this? Allison. Yes. What were your predictions, thoughts, feelings? We have both seen this movie before and we both watched this movie a lot in the past. This was like a movie we watched a lot as kids. Why? What network was it playing on and or did we have it on VHS? I think it was like on TBS with some consistency. Because we watched this a lot. But there were Mm -hmm. also things I forgot. And I did watch this like within the last few years because... uh, my I wrote a my like writing sample that I used to get jobs is about um a couple and the man comes out as gay. So I watched this for some uh, inspo and to steal things from it. And uh, rewatching it again, I was like, oh, I did, I did steal things. <laughs> I have, Sorry, I did. There is some direct theft that happened here. <laughs> um, my my story is a little bit different. It's not that important anyway. Um, yeah, I knew that I would still like it. It remains for me. I don't think it's not quite as good as any um, Nora Ephron rom-com. It's not quite as funny as like a My Best Friend's Wedding. I don't quite love it as much as While You Were Sleeping. It is one of those rom-coms that when I was done watching it, I was like, now I want to go right. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that might be a very unique feeling as i am a writer but that is always i think the mark of something really good is when it's like well now i've got some inspo i've like something has sparked um yeah i i get that i mean i'm not a writer um so it does not have that effect on me but i could see for you it has it has a lot of like what i think exists in like your brand of writing and like in the brands of writing that that you are inspired by because it's very it's it 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 is Ephronian in lots of ways um it's first of all it's new york um, it's very new york it's very brooklyn which at this time was not as trendy right at one point they they like live in cabo hill cabo hill and they're like we live in disgusting cabo hill and i was like i could never okay cabo right. hill is 
we are priced out of it. Um, Nina, who is the Jennifer Aniston character, has a very, um, she's kind of like a less manic Kathleen Kelly, I think. Um, you know, her apartment's very shabby chic, very lived in, very warm, very cozy. Um, she is very much the like, I don't need a lot in this world. I just kind of need like my apartment and to get by. Um, the she dialogue. Her, job. her sister thinks she's sad because she has no money. Yes. Um, the dialogue is very natural, very authentic. These people talk to each other the way you expect people to talk to each other. Um, I also, something I paid attention to this time around that I hadn't paid attention to in times previous because I was not watching for the same reasons, but this this movie does a lot in a short span of time. It tells a lot of story very quickly, but you still get a sense of who everybody is. Everyone's fairly well-developed. I mean, Allison Janney and Alan Alder are, are sort of caricatures, but they're kind of supposed to Stereotypes, be. Archetypes. Um, despite that, I still want their spinoff. Um, I think there's lots of thing this, things in this movie that are executed well. Um, one thing that I noticed in this movie that I don't know that I've ever noticed, like, in any movie, is her outfits are repeated at times. Like, you see her re-wear outfits, which I think is the costumer and the director's way of, you know, hitting home that, like, this woman does not live like a particularly extravagant she is a social worker at a community or not community college community center community center um and i thought like what a small subtle but super smart choice um to have her like repeat clothing um and i think it all helps to sort of like flush out who this woman is very nicely i thought like there were a lot of design and technical choices that i thought made a lot of sense um and really kind of gave you the sense of who everyone was her apartment doesn't have a living room which does two things it a shows that she is living modestly and b means that when they have to uh watch television eat ice cream together they have to do it in bed which makes it already more intimate mm-hmm. she is doing they paul red and jennifer aniston are doing things together that at one point the Vin's character even says like she should be doing that with me and she's not she's doing it with and it is laying in bed and he's he says like what do you guys do and he's like we go to dance class and then we come back home and we watch movies and eat ice cream in bed which is a much more intimate act than watching movies and eating ice cream on the couch Mm -hmm. the other thing I was gonna say when you said this movie does a lot very quickly I always forget every time I rewatch this movie as an adult I always forget that we don't start with them being friends that they literally meet each other and we watch their friendship develop into a believable friendship I think two things help with this one Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston are both good actors who have incredible chemistry that is because we know this now because they have continued to work together for years and years and years um also, there is a montage sent to set to a Gene Kelly song, which is like, I don't know, maybe the perfect song to use in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it becomes they, like a running theme. The song does. Yes. Yeah. Um, they go to they go to dance class at the community center and they dance to this song. And the montage is them at this dance class over many months. Almost. I think we span a year of them living together before we really start the story. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very it's a very effective montage. It's a very smart way if you're going to start this with them having to meet and then get them to a point where they're close enough friends where she wants him to raise her child with her. We can't do that in a month. This movie is 
very well timed. It's less than two hours long, and we do that with a gorgeous Gene Kelly montage mm-hmm. of them dancing. Yeah, and then once she's pregnant, we also have like her pregnancy to sort of like count time with for us. I think the movie does and. The movie Steve's on. Sorry, Steve's on's also in this movie. Oh my god, Steve's on's in this movie. You're right. Um, the movie very smartly like shows us the passage of time through the use of seasons, holidays, her pregnancy, so that we understand like how we're moving through time and that these people are not becoming close in a matter of weeks. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out what the Gene Kelly song was. You were meant for me. You were meant for me. We uh, also get, not. like, in her outfitting, at one point we get, like, an ode to Debbie Reynolds, which I love. Yeah, because one of the movies they watch is Singing in the Rain. Well, You Were Meant for Me is from Singing in the Rain. I know. Oh, okay. You said, like, the they watched house the movie, you like, <laughs> I was just like, wait, Allison. Um, We've oh, watched Singing in the Rain. in this movie? Um, the guy from the Suits. Pe- the guy from Suits, Audra McDonald, bit parts. Audra yeah. McDonald literally is credited as wedding singer. Yeah, I'm sorry. In 1998, she was a Tony nominee for Best Actress, bitch. Um, um also part of this movie being very New Yorky is like it was clearly filmed in New York. It was not mm-hmm. one of those movies where you're supposed to believe it's filmed in New York and you're just on a soundstage. Um, uh, like and that had that like new yorky feel to the point where i got so sick of looking for apartments in los angeles that i went to look for apartments in new york and, <laughs> and i'm looking for apartments in new york and he said we're gonna need more money babe it's like fair point but we don't have enough money to live where we want in la so <laughs> right so might as well move to new york i literally got um, so sick of it i like scrolled up to oakland i went to chicago i was searching at zillow in every city except the one i lived. there you go You've um, i've seen every two-bedroom apartment in la i've i've, I've done it there are none left. I'm sorry. Um. Anyway. Um. I said I imagine a family that. But Steve Zahn plays Paul Rudd's older brother. No, younger brother. Um. Imagine the family that raised Steve Zahn and Paul Rudd. Like as a mother, you just must be so proud. So proud. Also, like, do I need Steve Zahn as like a side character in all my rom coms? I think maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Also adds to like the Ephronian feel of it all. Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston are good actors. Mm-hmm. Also, I think in the year of our Lord 2023, when Jennifer Aniston is such a giant celebrity at this point, and I don't watch the morning show, so maybe, but I don't know that we always think about Jennifer Aniston as like, when we think about Jennifer Aniston, we think about friends or we think about like Adam Sandler movies. Like, I think she is an excellent rom-com actress like she mm-hmm. has that like um meg ryan julia roberts like uh kind of a mess kind of quirky really beautiful i mean in this she has her original nose and oh do i miss it um that sort of like down to earth you know salt of the earth girl next door like effervescentiness that is really enjoyable and she also mm-hmm. plays the dramatic moments of this movie really well um she has good range they have great chemistry um he does a very good job particularly for 1998 of not playing a he 
Paul Rudd, a heterosexual man playing a gay man, he's not, you know, doing an affectation. He's not, he's, he's not doing a caricature of a gay man. He's playing a full fledged person. I, I thought that about, so there's several gay characters, but there's four, I would say that like are named pivotal to the story, gay characters um that's actually what i was looking up i was trying to i know tim daly and paul rudd are heterosexual but i was wondering about the actors who play rodney and paul um if the actor who plays paul is straight i'll eat my hand (laughs) i don't know um he's not really acting anymore there's a getty image of him with a woman who looks like she could be his date but she could also be his sister so you know hard to know um and his date attend the premiere so like who knows so i have no idea he's there's not much about him on the internet it's hard to know um nigel hawthorne who plays rodney is gay um was gay he's no longer with us um but you know particularly paul rudd and tim daly who you know people famously know as heterosexual i i think both of their performances were particularly like you said particularly for 1998 notable because they weren't playing them gay i think particularly the tim daly character like there's no question but he's playing the like pretentious new york writer of it all and there's some level of like stereotype of like that's a gay man um but but it's not that he's quote-unquote playing it gay he's playing the other portions of jolie's personality that are noteworthy and then dr the, robert chile is his name yes um who's an ass um oh he fucking sucks but also like hate does, him. does tim daly get hotter as he gets older like have you looked at tim daly's imdb picture recently because damn that's all i'm gonna say um what i'm going to i do think he has one of those phases where like as he gets a little wrinkled and like maybe a little bloated with age and we know i famously am attracted to alcohol bloat um i don't know this is not to say that jim daly is in any way has a problem with alcohol i i'm not i'm just saying like you do yourself a favor and look up tim daly's i like a face i like a face that looks like it's been oh oh sweet lord (laughs) um that may have been his Oh, it's the salt and pepper. It's the weird mm-hmm, glasses. Mm-hmm. It's all of it. Like, it's <gasps> all working for me. Okay, like, the pictures that were coming up were not his IMDb, and then I just got to his IMDb, and he looks like... He looks like character actor Rob Lowe. Yeah. But hotter. Yeah. He looks like a hotter um, Rob Lowe. Yeah. Yes, okay. He actually doesn't have alcohol bloat face. He has sunken face. Time out. Did you know that he's been with Taya Leone since 2014? Because I did not. And I feel like that's something I wish I'd know. I didn't. I what? did know. I'm getting, I get, uh, who's not Taya Leone? Who is, who is Mr. Who is Noah Bombeck's ex-wife? Come on jennifer jason lee she's jennifer jason no. lee yes is now in a relationship with office space and i saw them at a sweet burger burger ron livingston jennifer jason lee is dating 
Ron Livingston. She previously was dating Noah Baumbach. I mean, I don't think they're dating. They're or they were partnered. They were married. Aren't they a marriage story? Isn't a marriage Rosemary DeWitt? It's not Jennifer Jason Lee, it's Rosemary DeWitt. Wait, but am I getting isn't Noah Baumbach a marriage story? Yes. Okay, then he was with Jennifer right. Jason Lee. You're right. I'm getting her confused. She was previously married to Chris Messina and has been in a relationship with Ron Livingston or been married to him since 2009. Wait, time out. Chris Messina was married to Rosemary DeWitt for 11 years. I saw Rosemary DeWitt and Ron Livingston in a sweet green, but I've been telling people for years that it was Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> There's a similar, I understand the confusion. I mean, they could be sisters. Thank they you. probably played sisters at some point. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, I had no idea that she was I, married. And I was being so creepy. I was right. like, did they build their own bowls? Did they get something off the menu? Like, what are we working with here, guys? <laughs> Just like me in a sweet green trying to figure out what Ron Livingston's sweet green order is. Um, uh, Okay, while Taylor Leone and Tim Daly have been in a relationship since 2014. Okay, but I'm sorry. Taylor Leone, Tim Daly, Rosemary Duet, Ron Livingston, Jennifer Jason Lee, any other white. Like, those are all couples well, and she, written in the same font. Also, like, she was previously married to David Duchovny, and I, I feel like you could add him into that grouping, and it's all, like, similar you know energies the point of this is tim daly only gets hotter the sub point of this is he does a very good job at playing like new york uh writer critic douchebag which like to be fair there's probably a lot of gay men in that community uh sure. so i don't even know that we're like stereotyping by making that character giving this character that job he just needed to have some sort of like high level job because mm-hmm. also what a lot of this is is like everyone in their lives is sort of looking down on them for their um career choices her sister is the the like fun uh ellen alda plays a publisher and they keep name dropping like the joke is they're name dropping all the time all these like big famous people Mm -hmm. that they hang out with and spend time at one point martha stewart calls their hamptons house um and tim daly is uh a writer and he's got like he he's He's a professor i think Professor, sure, yes, but yeah, but I'm just like something, and he's fancy. Um, and as we said, Jennifer is a social worker, and Paul Rudd is a a teacher. But then even that, he's a teacher at a private school for rich people's kids. So then, uh, because that's, I think he like when asked why he's like, because that's the job I got, right? Or like that's, and then Vince's character, who's a public defender, is sort of like, uh, well, why wouldn't you want? Why wouldn't you want to teach? Um you know, in a public school, teach kid, like, why do you want to teach these fancy people's kids? So, like, nobody, they're getting questioned by their choices from literally all the sides. Like, mm-hmm. Vince, who also Allison Janney doesn't think is good enough for Jennifer Aniston, because he's a public defender, he doesn't, he's not, like, at one point, Alan Alda says, like, you, I can get you the book rights if you defend someone famous. Like, they're just about money and status and power, and Vince's character is, I think sort of like genuinely wants to do good for the world and be a public defender and do that much harder, lower paying job, but then also looks down on Paul Rudd for not sort of doing that as a teacher. It's just an interesting, like right. these two people cannot win any of their lives, but with each other. Right. Um, yeah. And the, I mean, the thing about the Vince character 
the the father of Jennifer Aniston's child, I mean, he is obnoxious. Like, there's no question that oh, that character yeah. is obnoxious and insufferable. He's not a bad guy. I mean, that's the thing that like is sort of ultimately the the end of this or kind of like the conclusion of this is like he's not the right guy for her and he's obnoxious but like he's not a bad guy he's not going to be a bad dad he it's not that she doesn't want her child to have this man in in her child's life it's just that like that's not the choice she wants to make for herself um and you know, she says, like, I don't have to be married to the father of my child. Like, I get to make up these rules for myself. Um, and yeah, this is very early. Like, women can have children without men. Women can women can decide whether or not they... I mean, this is not early in the abortion talk. It's the late 90s, not the 70s. But women can decide whether or not they want to have children. She makes... When she's deciding whether or not she's going to keep this baby... Paul Rudd says, like, don't you want to talk to Vince about this? And she said, yeah, he's super pro-choice as long as he, as long as the choice is his. Or something, well, like, something to allude to his politics, but also selfishness. Right. And I think that there's something, so, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Knocked Up. But I think that so often the, and like, trope. Right. But so often the trope of, like, the surprise pregnancy, um, goes without any conversation about the options I, not to like bring this back to like romance book world but like a lot of people a lot of women struggle with that trope in the romance book world and i think part of it is because it never feels real authentic when like these 25 year olds after one night stand are like oh yeah i'm totally key. like there, there's no question um and I and so very rarely both I think in rom-coms because there's not going to be a story if you don't have the baby but in rom-coms and in romance books like there's not that discussion there's not that consideration and we talked about this in Knocked Up that that very much felt like that piece was missing um and so and granted like Knocked Up in this are very different tonally so we're doing different things but I appreciated that in this story that is given some time that is given some weight she considers she what it. her option is. she thinks about it she comes to this conclusion you know that feels authentic that feels real to this time and place and character um and so i you know i appreciated that that was in this story i appreciate anytime you've got that surprise pregnancy trope when that's there i feel like that helps flush out the story a little bit well, it feels real. These people, despite yeah. being played by what are now superstars, and again, we are we have the benefit of them being much younger and much earlier in their careers, but they feel like real people. They feel like genuine and lived in and mm -hmm. honest, and they have honest conversations. And you're right, the dialogue's very good. Um, yeah, it feels. And even when we do this podcast and we look back over these movies that I have liked the most, it's like, oh, I see how I became right the profession and type of writer that I did. Um, I'm just feeling shit. There's also something I appreciate. You know, we talked about like the Allison Janney characters and um, the Alan Alden character, and even the Vince character. Like they're they're caricatures in some ways, but they're they're also 
they have very redeeming moments. Like even, you know, like I think Vince in particular, like we see the worst side of that character. Um, He has a very like angry moment. Not that I don't understand his anger. I do. Um, But it does not need to veer into the homophobia. Yes. Yes. Because he crosses the line into homophobia a few times intended to make him an unlikable character, right? Like we're not, this movie is, is in no way homophobic um but he is at some points yes but he's not irredeemable which i appreciate and right. neither are alan alda and allison janney i mean allison janney is first of all she's hilarious i mean like this character is absurd but she's so funny in it and it's just she plays it so well and the fact that like as a community we all slept on Alice and Janney till about this point is just wild um I did say at one point I was like NBC this movie took all of its stars of the time and put them in a movie together yes <laughs> we got mad um, about you we got friends we got West Wing I, I don't know Alan Alda did MASH or something I I'm too young but <laughs> I was like <laughs> this is this is some talk about vertical integration um but even she, I mean, you can tell, like, she cares about her daughter. She loves her daughter. She cares about her sister, her stepsister. Um, she wants to take care of Jennifer Aniston. There's something very loving and maternal about her. And also, she is very much, when Aniston is, like, pining for Paul Rudd, she's very much the voice of reason that's like, this man is gay. He is not going to love you back in the way that you want him to. Like, and move I on, do girl. Think she is overbearing and she is overjudgmental about Jennifer Aniston's life, but it does, does come from a place of love. I think you're right. I think that was the moment it was like, oh, Jennifer Aniston needs a little bit of tough love here. She needs someone to say to her, that man is never going to love you the way you want him to. Then, like, multiple uh, people say it to her. And I understand, like, when you love someone and you... Like, when you love someone and it is unrequited and you want them to love you back, it is hard to see the forest through the trees. I get it. But, like... Her stepsister says it to her. Rodney says it to her in one of my favorite scenes ever in any movie. I think Rodney is like perhaps my favorite character. Um, in Rodney this. is. You gotta explain who Rodney is. Rodney is. So Paul Rudd starts. Interestingly enough, a man named Paul, um, who is a actor who is living with a much older gay theater critic and this the thing is sort of like are they in a relationship or is he just sort of the way paul explains it is like he gave him a room so he could spend his money on acting classes um but there's clearly something like like rodney clearly has feelings for it uh paul and their relationship is you know half sort of like mentor mentee and half mm-hmm. pining for him not in any sort of like creepy way although i guess he is like paying for his lifestyle so maybe but he just loves yeah, but him it and it's seems it seems we, we do establish that he's never like exerted that power in any kind of inappropriate way yes he has feelings for paul yes he loves paul yes he's providing for paul but like he's not expecting anything in return at least as far as we can tell and paul starts a relationship with paul rudd you know, and then while Rodney's hurt by it, he accepts it and welcomes um, Paul Rudd's character, whose name I'm forgetting, um, you know, into their their home and their family. 
Um, and then so then talk about the scene that you love. Okay, so then there's a scene where Jennifer and where Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd have invited. I'm gonna get his real. I'm gonna get his character name. George, and Nina, and George. They're, Nina and their George have Nina invited George. Rodney and Paul to Thanksgiving, and Rodney base it like has a moment alone with Jennifer Aniston where he basically says like at the end of this you will be alone like like these gay none of these gay men at your dinner table are going to choose you in the way that you hope um and he himself is admitting like this man that i have feelings for is not going to choose me either like these two men are choosing each other like that's how this ends um and it's just a very sweet loving moment between these two people who don't know each other and you know as we find out later like that foursome becomes close they become a family they spend a lot of time together um and so like then knowing the end of how things end up there's some like the way that that starts i think is very sweet um yeah they have a bonding moment yes but anyway to my point before that is like her sister tells her rodney tells her george paul rudd tells her like this is not he he's not going to pick you unfortunately r.i.p they do have a little sexy moment which is like oh sexuality is a spectrum because one time she's locked into this one time he had sex with a woman when he was in high school thing yeah as proof that he might want it again and it's like oh honey that's not what's happening i think that scene is done so well though not to like i feel like i'm like gushing over this movie it's not this was not a perfect movie it has its issues but i i think that scene is done really well because it's very sweet but also sad because yes i know the end but i think even if you were watching this for the first time you know the end you know this is not a thing that's going to happen um if the end would if the if it ended with them ending up together it'd be real dumb. this would not this would not stand the test it would not hold up it would not stand the test of time um also it just sort of feel like okay i guess she could change him this doesn't feel real this is bad right but you see like her falling for him at the same time that he's realizing it's a mistake and it's just a very sweet sad it's also i mean i think the other thing that's happening besides sexuality being a spectrum is that these are two people who love each other like yes he's gay and romantically and sexually wants to be with men but he loves this woman he he loves her as much as anybody else in the world and they have not been dating other people so there's a sexual loneliness there i think there's probably some thought of like well you know like that would be easy if this would work but like yeah so but it's not going to um i don't know it's just a very like it's a very sweet sad nuanced complicated emotionally fraught scene that is done without much dialogue and i think that's a tribute to the the rest of this movie but also like these two actors and again it goes back to what you were saying about like these two people being you know while they're known for their comedy they 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 have enormous range good actors guess they're good actors yeah i'm a jennifer aniston i think she's great does she maybe not get enough credit the other thing yeah she's probably fine like in their argument when they finally like have it out and yell at each other and scream at each other like he's in the right and she's in the wrong and yet 
you feel you still feel for her um and i think yeah that's a no i feel like performance it, she i like the of the many things that i keep said like i forget that they don't know each other at the beginning of this movie i forget about the guest the like secondary cast i remember the line i want paul so clearly in my head because it's so the end fight is she they're at steve zahn's wedding um she's a thousand months pregnant uh and she says like i want to be with you i want to marry you i want you to love me in the way that i love you i want all these things i've been saying this entire movie i don't want i don't care about a traditional relationship or a traditional family structure or raising my daughter in a two-parent household all of those things i actually do want but i only want it with you and it's very she's not in the wrong she's telling him her feelings i was talking about their earlier fight when they're screaming at each other at 3 a.m and oh yeah she's mad that he's having sex with a man (laughs) and and he says like i mean she had previously said to him like you know we get to make our own rules we can date other people we can have sexual relationships with other people and now she's sort of like taking that all back and he's saying like you're taking all this back that you've already said and he's not wrong about that and then the follow-up to this so then they go to the wedding mad at each other and then they have this fight and his response to her telling him that she wants him is and i want paul and it's Mm -hmm. so sad because you feel horrible for her and also and horrible for him like that's the truth that's what he wants they can't this is not that is the this romantic comedy is not going to end with the couple getting together but still a romantic comedy Mm -hmm. um and it's just really well well written and well acted and it's a good we've talked about this before but a good movie and good character writing is when you can have two people having a fight and not be on a side Mm -hmm. and not say like i want this person to win like when you're having two people having a fight and you're thinking like oh god how horrible for both of them right and this movie has that yeah um but then it's okay because she ends up with the cop that helped her um, get her stolen. And then we made this movie in 2003. He would be a firefighter, or a city attorney, or he would be a, a different kind of career. Hopefully. Yes. Yes. Um, I also she, just like, like, you know, she, this like, is gets nice. her purse stolen. She gets her purse stolen. She goes to a police station to report it. And in the police station is this nice, handsome uniform cop who just wants to help her. Oh, and then she's, we like then, and he says, like, come with me. I'll help you report it. And then um, I'm off my ship, so I'll drive you home. Which, I'm sorry, the year of our Lord 2023, I'd be like, no, I don't trust you for a minute there, officer. You ain't, I'm not getting in my car with a random cop. Are you kidding me? It, no, um, but no that's way in hell. Be, this man is, No. Uh uh-uh, uh, absolutely, absolutely not. Am I letting a cop drive me home? Are you kidding me? I will take a escort with many witnesses. Anyway, do you know? Do you know how many <laughs> New York City cops have been accused of sexual assault? No, I would never. I never. getting alone in a, a woman getting alone in a car with a cop. Come on. Um. What? Anyway, she then then he's driving her home and being nothing but handsome and respectful because he is a rom com man um she's complaining we have a little bit of she's complaining about whatever whoever the desk sergeant is that she reported it to and basically like turning it around on her and making it her fault she's like he like like i'm so and which is absolutely something that would happen if a woman went in and was like my purse got stolen the response would be well like why are you out uh alone at night which fuck you because i wanted to be and this cop is sort of 
like, but we're not all bad. Like that guy's just one bad apple. And I was like, oh, he was like, the rest of us are very sensitive. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, really? You all are? Anyway, I, all cops are bastards except this guy. (laughs) (laughs) See later. He's also like a not three-dimensional character at all. He's just nice guy. Cause then she runs into him in the parking. He's like, I'm with my niece and nephew. And you're like, oh, and he is sensitive and he likes kids. Well, and then at the end, when we know yes. that they're together, he's like, you know, very kind to Vince and very welcoming to Vince. And also like clearly has a relationship with Rodney and with George. And like, you know, he's just like this very like warm, effusive guy. Um, even when Vince is kind of cold to him. Um also like so, yeah. probably the primary paternal caregiver to her daughter because he lives with her you know? right yeah um there is a great line this uh the this character is played by a black actor and <laughs> my favorite Allison Channing line of the movie is when at the very end when she's getting in a car and she says of Jennifer Aniston's black boyfriend honey you've made your point <laughs> just just the this character the Allison Janney character is is uh, top to bottom offensive the whole movie it's she's microaggression is shit um just it's the like care the like character is so horrible and it's played so funny and cringy and like yet this woman exists in these like highfalutin new york circles like like a like a big money new york liberal like i believe in these things on the voting ballot but i don't need my sister dating a black man kind of woman it's great it's great yeah horrible character writing like one of the first lines she has i don't remember what it was but it was something that was clearly like a you know like in a mic like uh those people or these people or you know whatever um and and it's clearly written you're you're not supposed to think that she's right like that's not the movie's perspective at all but it's again like these sort of subtle ways of characterizing as you said like this this very particular type of new york woman also there's a great line where she in the beginning she invites george to dinner and she says like oh it's a very casual thing and then we like cut to the dinner and everyone's in sequins and you're just like what what is happening well and someone tim daly even makes the point that like casual for them is not casual like right and she makes a couple like i mean she makes microaggressions this entire movie it's not like the racist microaggression comes out of nowhere (laughs) right yes yes um it's she's very funny and uh jennifer innocent ends up with a a kind black cop Mm -hmm. he's nice and he helps raise her daughter and he has a niece and nephew (laughs) yes yeah so in the end we get this really lovely ending so the sort of like penultimate scene is Aniston after she's given birth saying to Paul Rudd, like, I need you to move out. You know, obviously I need to get over this and I need to figure out our relationship in a, you know, back in a platonic way. And I need you gone to do that. And it's very, again, very authentic, very real, very mature, and loving, but very sad. Um and then cut to, I don't know, six, seven years later. Um, he teaches first grade and his, and uh, the Molly, the daughter played by a young Sarah Island is now in first grade. 
Oh, except he says he's the principal. He's become the principal, and he's at a That's different right. school. He's at a more oh, yes, like because he's he's at a more you know, uh, um acceptable liberally school. probably not. He's not at a private school. Yeah. Yes. Um. But we see that Molly, you know, the, all the people there to see Molly, including her aunt and uncle, Alice and Jenny and Al- Alan Alda, um, her Their dad, teen daughter, her mom, her mom's boyfriend, um, Rodney and Paul, who are also there because it's Georgia's production. Um, but, you know, they they yeah, clearly built her. They have built this family. We get this line where she invites Rodney over to dinner on Saturday and then says to George, like, you and Paul should come too. Like, you know, they've they've found their way back to each other. They've created this found family. It's it's a really lovely ending. I started crying. I cry every time I watch this movie because it's so And then so they go sweet. get coffee together. They go get coffee. And everyone loves this little girl and she just has all these people in her life who love her so much and they've like built this little family. And she does get a nepotism role in the uh, school concert because she gets to sing a solo despite the principal being her ostensibly uncle. I don't think so. Right. I mean, Nepo Baby, if I've ever seen one. The queen of the Nepo Babies is uh, Sarah Hyland, (laughs) the object of my affection. (laughs) Uh, She started it all. It's true true um oh audrey mcdonald is the wedding singer did we say that on you did on say that Mike? yeah yeah it's so jarring because you see her and you're like that's audrey mcdonald and then she starts singing you were meant for me by gene kelly and you're like that's audrey mcdonald's voice she doesn't she doesn't just sound like random singer she has a very distinct right voice maybe the greatest of all time look the entire time I'm trying to watch the movie i'm like can we she audrey mcdonald is singing we should pay some respect right i've seen her live so you know kind of a big deal that was a Um, real alice and janny i have martha stewart online too moment carrie i mean i didn't like get drinks with her afterwards but i was in the audience while she sang um well i saw rosemary dewitt and ron livingston of the sweet green so we all have there you go we can brag about um anything else some of the clothes in this have started are back in style she at one point was wearing like a dress boot jacket combo that i was just like i would totally wear that now we the 90s are we've fully circled a lot of things i would wear i will say at the wedding and i understand that she was approximately nine years pregnant um when the steve zahn's wedding happened but paul rudd's like fully in a tux and she's in a mumu i was like we're dressed for different weddings like she's dressed for a cashy beach wedding and he's dressed for a new york society wedding like as somebody who had to go to weddings pregnant she probably needs to be comfortable. She was a thousand years I pregnant. I get it. I get it. I get it. I tried to um, wear heels to a wedding pregnant and it lasted 20 minutes. It lasted the ceremony. your own wedding. Well, sure. But like I was going to wear heels and then I was like, that's not happening. That was bold choice. Bold choice. Also, at one point she's in her first trimester on a roller coaster and I get everyone's everyone's pregnancies are different. But I was like, I, you, I could never. I never never be on a roller coaster i wonder if it was safe it's like a also here you'd never go on a rickety carnival roller coaster you'd never go on a island roller coaster i became nauseous just thinking about it like no thank you i say again Um, pregnancy sounds bad mm -hmm. anything else to say about this movie 
I like it. I'm probably going to try and get it back in the repertoire. I also then was like, it's, it's been too long since a When Harry Met Sally watch. And to be honest, a Sleepless in Seattle watch. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a it's very, month, so. it's very good. Um. Oh, Alan Alda is creepy sweet is a note I wrote down that it mentioned. Because at one point he tells Jennifer Aniston that if he were younger and she wasn't his stepsister, he would hit on her. And I was like, it's so creepy. And also, like, I can see that's a compliment. Right. Like, thank you, Alan Alda. I think because, like, he's Alan not hitting like, on her. Right. But, it, but he's not not hitting on her. Yeah. I think the thing about Alan Alda and maybe like there's some smart casting there is like because he's like collectively the world's grandpa like we're all just kind of like oh Alan Alda it's okay. Well and there's no like, like he doesn't like try anything or like he doesn't he never does anything he just said he's just like oh you just shouldn't have said that man. Right yeah. Um, Yeah. Anyway no that's all I have to say. Casting is important. <laughs> this movie is well cast. I do uh, want to mention, um, since we're two cishet women, that I don't feel like we're equipped, or maybe not equipped, but, like, it's not our place to have the conversation about straight men playing gay men or, like, straight heterosexual people playing queer characters. I think that's a worthwhile conversation to have. I don't know that, like, we need to have it in the context of this movie, and we've had it in the past, I think, in the yeah, context of Birdcage. Um but it's you know it's. Worth I was interested to see that, this like, week this being. I was just gonna say I think it's interesting to note that or we should note rather that, and we did that like Paul Rudd and Tim Daly are straight men playing gay men. Regardless, I think the point is like if if you believe that. I think the argument for. Want, we want more representation of gay actors right like like if we're taking gay characters and having them played by straight actors we already don't have enough like gay actor representation until we get to a more comfortable place where like gay actors are also playing straight characters mm -hmm. like why are we removing their opportunity a complicated issue i don't always have a problem i think i think because sexuality is a spectrum because you don't ever really know and we were saying that tim daly and paul rudd are both heterosexual men that's an assumption i think it's a fair assumption but we don't know that to be entirely right. true that to then decide someone should or shouldn't play a character well and you know to that when point sexuality is so complicated and nuanced i was just gonna say i don't i, I think it's slightly different than we shouldn't let able-bodied people play disabled characters or cis people play trans characters when those are – those arguments seem more clear-cut to me than only gay actors should play gay characters. Right. Well, there's, like, the thing with the kid from Heartstopper where everyone was like, oh, this straight man is playing this queer character and then – like the kid had to out himself and be like yeah i'm not straight and, you know it just it like it it can put people in a bad position um and it puts like speculation on things that we don't like we just right and however many minutes trying to find nick offerman's sexuality like nick offerman doesn't owe us an answer to his sexuality at all he is an actor and can play attraction to like as an actor you have to play attraction to any number of people you're not attracted to for any number of reasons like 
I, I, because Tim Daly and Paul Rudd are not playing stereotypes in this movie and they're not adding affectations. They're not, they're playing people who are gay, not like a gay guy. It doesn't bother me. As Carrie said, we're both straight women and happy to hear an argument against that. Yeah. And I do think the piece that becomes uncomfortable for me personally is when you have somebody who is ostensibly straight playing, you know, a more like affected flamboyant character. Um, Yeah. Playing, making fun when you're making fun of when you're punching down. Right. Um, neither Paul Rudd or Tim Daly are making fun of their characters. Right. Or in the, to the extent we're making the movie is making fun of the Tim Daly character. It's for making different fun reasons. Of Dr. Robert Jolin. Right. Right. It's because he's a um, fucking dick. Yeah. Yeah. He's an asshole. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I continue to enjoy this movie. It made me cry. Me too. What are we watching next? Are we watching Kate and Leopold next? Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. (laughs) And just like we came up this where we're like, it's lovely. But I think we should watch Kate. I haven't seen it since we saw it in movie theaters. This will be wild. It'll be, it'll be, it will be wild. There's time. I feel like we're like watching Kate and Leopold. Between good movies and awful movies. I know there's we'll something with goes. an elevator. Otis shows like Otis is a character. I can't wait to find out. It's oh my god, Elson. It's oh my god, it's gonna be wild. All right. So join us in two weeks for what do we just say? Kate and Leopold. Um, our next Patreon episode is going to be the new Ashton Kutcher Reese Witherspoon Netflix um original, Your Place or Mine. So join our Patreon to catch that. Bye. Bye. <laughs>